Hello, friends. I'm John Farmer, and this is the first episode of Georgian Bay Roots for the year 2020. Happy New Year! We're the official show of the Summer Folk Music and Crafts Festival and are here to share the music made and played in Gray and Bruce counties with folk and roots music from around the world mixed in too. You can hear us on 560 CFOS Sundays at 4 p.m., twice a week on Blues and Roots Radio, and anytime at all as a podcast or at summerfolk.org slash Georgian Bay Roots. We're also sponsored in part by Tamming Law. Tamming Law. To us, it's personal. Find them at tamminglaw.com. I've got a special show for you to kick off the year. The whole hour is dedicated to banjos. You'll hear banjo in every track, a selection of traditions that lean heavily on the banjo, some of the instrument's history, and a feature interview with Juno Award winners and banjo makers Ferris and Jason Romero. We'll start with banjo in a context that you would expect it, bluegrass. Frank Evans is the banjo player in Toronto's Slocan Ramblers and has been called one of the best banjo players of his generation. Appropriately, he's featured on this track called Frank's Tune.
That was the Slow Can Ramblers, who played a show in Owen Sound back in November. We're talking banjos today, and there's a lot to talk about. You may be most familiar, like I was, with the banjo as a bluegrass instrument, thanks to Earl Scruggs and his distinctive style. But the instrument's roots go back to the continent of Africa, and evolved from an instrument made of a hollowed gourd with skin stretched over it. The banjo's ancestors had a various numbers of strings, and most included a drone string like the fifth short string on a five-string banjo. Michael Jerome Brown brought one of those instruments to Summerfolk the last time he was here, and that was my first introduction to the banjo's history. Those original instruments and the knowledge of them was carried to the Caribbean from Africa by enslaved peoples, and eventually to the continent of North America. White culture absorbed the banjo, and the instrument continued to evolve, eventually being taken back to Europe, where it was incorporated into Celtic traditional music as well. The story of the banjo is intrinsically connected to the history of slavery in the Americas. Rhiannon Giddens is an American musician working consciously to explore that heritage and share those stories with the world. She received a 2017 MacArthur Genius Grant and continues to collaborate to explore and cross-pollinate musical traditions. She'll explain the next song called The Purchaser's Option. So this song was inspired... Um, after reading or looking at a, an advertisement in a book for a human being, for a young woman. Um, and, it, and it just kind of talked about her, and she's 22, young, good worker, that kind of thing. And at the end of it, it was, just, it was an, as, if, as if in an afterthought, it said she has with her a nine-month-old baby who is at the purchaser's option. And it just kind of made me really sad. And then the way I deal with all the, the stuff inside is I write now. So this song came out of that, thinking about what her life was like and how lucky I am. Let me in a woman's world 
That was Rhiannon Giddens, and you really need to look her up if you're interested in the banjo. Folk music is about relationships, really. And Kaya Cater is a contemporary Canadian musician who is also exploring history and connection through her music and her banjo. Here's Kaya with Southern Girl. Kaya Cater, one of many amazing banjo players that Canada has produced. 
Another amazing Canadian banjo player is Alison DeGroot, who played summer folk with Winnipeg's Oh My Darling, and is now performing with fellow summer folk veteran Bruce Molsky. You'll hear Allison on this track from Molsky's Mountain Drifters. This is Barlow Knife. we've seen at Summerfolk to another longtime friend of the festival. Up next is a tune featuring Leonard Podolik. Leonard is also a member of the Ducks, who play our opening theme. The next song is Mole in the Ground, and it will take us to our first break for the weather. When we come back, you'll hear music from and part of my conversation with Ferris and Jason Romero. Before I hit play, I should mention that we've mostly heard examples of claw hammer banjo, where the thumb picks down and the finger strikes down. It's more rhythmic than the faster Scruggs style. That's a ridiculously simple explanation, but you should at least know the word claw hammer if you're going to look up how to play banjo when this episode is done. But for now, this is Mole in the Ground. Mole in the ground. Yes, 
and you're listening to Georgian Bay Roots. I don't want to live in a blow-hot nation with a king and a tinsel. I'm John Farmer, and this is Georgian Bay Roots. I had the honor of sitting down for an interview with Juno and Canadian Folk Music Award winners Ferris and Jason Romero. They were the inspiration for this episode, because as well as playing old-time music and writing music in the old-time style, Jason also happens to be a banjo maker. You're about to hear one of their tracks and part of our conversation, recorded in front of an audience at Kelso Beach Park in August 2019. Up first is the banjo tune, Backstep Indie. Thank you. 
So you folks have recently garnered yourself a Juno Award. Well-deserved, if I may say so. And this latest album being one that was, to my understanding, all original music, which is a bit of a departure because you've done so well over so many years in bringing kind of old-time songs and sounds to recordings. What inspired an album of entirely original music? Do you want to speak to that? Oh, you go ahead. <laughs> well, you know, yeah, you Ferris is the, is the wordsmith of the family. Um, and so it, almost every song that um, that we do is one of Ferris's songs. I like the teaser with co-writes. If I change a chord or maybe uh, change a word here and there, but um, she's the she's the wordsmith. And I'll let you, because we definitely had um, some inspiration from this last album. Yeah. Well, we, you know, in the years before, we've always made records that were, uh, a good mixture of public domain, primarily stuff, stuff that either either the author had passed away or they didn't know who the author was. Traditional music is such a vague definition when we're trying to actually define what that means, but um, a lot of traditional stuff. And then I'm, I've been a songwriter for years, but more in the vein of, um, of other folky, you know, more 60s revival style folk. That was always my style. So when Jason and I met, we'd pl- he was so firmly ensconced in the old time and early bluegrass world you know when you meet someone who believes in the power of the music so firmly and they don't really deviate from that music occasionally you know he'd put on some lead belly or some some other some rolling stones was a really good common commonplace rolling stones and beatles for us but otherwise it was a lot of really scratchy old recordings for both of us things where the scratches are louder than the music itself, and you're trying to decipher what's going on. And right after we met, I sent him a, co- a recording that was by a band called Hoyt Ming and his Pep Steppers. And I don't know if any of your any of your listeners are familiar with that band, but they really were a seminal band because the pep stepping was Hoyt Ming's wife with her feet making the pep step sound. And I love that the band... The Pep Stepper, she didn't get a name. She just got to be called a Pep Stepper, but it was Hoyt Ming. And the Pep Steppers, it was a very... Um, an era where it's mostly men playing and and that's a whole other topic for another time uh, pardon me so in any case when, when Jason, I, Jason and I both bonded over this music so intensely that that was what really brought, brought us together we played that music together before we even spoke a word to each other we met at an old time fiddle jam and then my, my songwriting leanings really they don't go away they stick around with me and the more you listen to a form of music the more that's and you're enrobed in it essentially the more that's going to inform the writing that you're going to be doing so it was kind of um invariable that at the end i was going to be writing songs that sounded like old songs because that's all we were listening to i was going to write old country songs old bluegrass songs old time songs and the first song that Jason and I ever wrote together definitely sounds like something that the Blue Sky Boys would have sung. It's our lyrics, our take on it, but it's very much influenced. And we have no problems with wearing our influences on our sleeve. You know, maybe it might become a criticism for some that it's too obvious the things that you're listening to, but I don't really mind at all because I feel like those influences have been so powerful, whether they're alive or dead influences, and I want to be able to acknowledge them, whether that's speaking their names or acknowledging the impression that they've made on us through the music that we play. So slowly our albums have have the ratio of original stuff as I was writing more and more and more the ratio of original songs to public domain songs has shifted until finally this last time I was like I have enough stuff that I love and I would like to put out a whole record of original songs because I don't think of myself as a songwriter 
which is a really strange thing for someone who writes songs to say, but I, I think of myself as a, I'm really into early music and I really love playing old-time music and I'm a musician, but I don't think of myself as a songwriter. And this last record was a great shift to my head and all the writing that I'm doing now to start framing myself as, oh, I do write songs. And I think part of the reason I didn't think of myself as a songwriter was because they were so steeped in a particular genre and so informed by those things that it just felt like they were an extension of the music we were listening to, not necessarily just my songs. And I'm starting to shift in how I think about that now. It's a very long answer to a very short question. (laughs) I appreciate that answer. And there's, it strikes me that for a song to survive long enough that we don't know who wrote it, mm. there's got to be something that continues to resonate regardless of generation Indeed. in that. Yes. And and what is that for you in that particular style of music? Is it is yeah. is, is what it is that essence of that song that'll last two hundred years? That when you hear it, it sounds fresh and it sounds familiar. And you want to sing it. And you want to sing it. And you want it. That's all we're looking for too. Yeah. <laughs> So it's, I don't know what it is. I just know it when I hear it. I know when the, the hair on my neck stands up, when I hear a certain line, I know um, if certain words roll out in a certain way. That it's, it's a bunch of different things, but I know that I'm always looking for it. And so you folks make music not just on stage and not just uh, together while you're playing and at old-time fiddle jams, but you also make musical instruments. Does shaping the sound of an instrument influence the way that you shape the sound of a song? Oh, man, I want to answer that so bad. Um, Yes, yeah, and I think a lot of that is because Jason is constantly thinking about banjos. So if I, I, he is thinking about banjos right now, I almost guarantee it. He's heard some tones today and he's messing because he's, you know, when you get to a point and there's a, a few amazing luthiers here at this festival who would have this experience where you can imagine a tone in your head and you can imagine a particular construction of an instrument that needs to happen in order to create that specific tone. So when I bring a song to Jason and I say, I really want this as a banjo song, probably more often than not, the response is, well, I don't have the right banjo to play that song, so I'm probably going to have to build one. It is true. It's totally true. And it's, but it's, well, he'll, he'll substitute whatever he has in his hands at that point. And he can, he, the thing with banjos that are kind of magical is you can take the entire thing apart in 20 minutes and ha- then have it all back together and you can tweak all of the parts. Everything is moving. It's not glued together as such as a guitar is. So you can adjust. It's the constant tinkerer's instrument. You can constantly adjust how how it sounds and change strings and bridges and, and head thicknesses and neck angles and all of these really neat things that you can do to make the instrument sound different. And so Jason, because he's constantly thinking about different tones, and especially when I bring him songs that don't have the right... He needs a new banjo to play that song on. There's, it's, it's, it definitely... The instruments definitely inform the sound and the approach that we have to the music that we're making. The way that you described a, a banjo that way made me think about a song. How like every like every piece of a song can be taken apart, whether it's a whether it's a, a single word or a single phrasing or one particular note in a fill that that someone else is playing, where it's entirely malleable, and yet it also comes together in a way that you can put it uh, in the case of a banjo, put it on a stand, and it's there as a single thing or a song put it on an album and win awards with it. Well, in, in the 
the cool thing about banjos is there's a history around playing banjos in different tunings. There is a history around guitars as well, but the history of playing banjos in different tunings is so old and an integral part of the music where the player would change the tuning of the banjo depending on the key that they sang in, depending on how the fiddle played it, depending on how they were feeling that certain day. And there's hundreds and hundreds of documented old banjo tunings. And because of that, when we're on stage, Jason will use up to three different banjo tunings for C alone. And it's very impractical. <laughs> it's not practical at all. We have to plan an entire set list around the movement of the banjo because it's much easier to tune the banjo in certain directions. Um, and so it, it definitely it affects how we play live. It affects how we play on records. It affects how I write songs. It's, it's all of it. I've I'm thinking about various jokes I've heard about uh, that would suggest that tuning a banjo at all is Don't do a it. is a challenge. <laughs> Don't do um, it. Now, is it is it true that there's an Ontario connection with some of the components that you use to build your banjos? I uh, think. Yeah, yeah I've uh, I've had a long relationship with a wonderful person named Bill Ricard, and uh, he he builds he has a banjo company. He's in just out of Toronto. Yeah, and he's been special machining um, certain parts for my banjos for years now. Because uh, he's a machinist, and uh, every good, good banjo builder has a really good machinist uh, under his arm somewhere. <laughs> you can't, you can't really do the one without the other. That it it amazes me that Toronto, or yeah, that the outskirts of Toronto, as much as maybe most of Ontario feels like the outskirts of Toronto, if you're from far away, <laughs> um, would have that connection all the way for you folks. Yeah. I was gonna say like when we're when we're, what do I mean? I was like Jason, you should talk about this thing. It's like I don't know what you're talking about, so I'll do it anyways. Um, uh, that was our whole relationship encapsulated in one little moment right there, wasn't it? <laughs> um, he did say you're the word person. What you mean? I am the word person. But uh, when our our desire to be connected to the people that we are working with to build with, we don't buy our lumber from a lumber yard. We call up the small mill in Pennsylvania, who is milling up the maple. And we talk to them about the dimensions that we want. We, we like to build these connections. And so we're not buying our parts from an instrument wholesaler. We're getting a small family jewelry company to cast them for us. Or getting Bill Ricard to custom machine them for us. And that's, that's been the evolution over time as the banjo company has come to the place that it is right now where we have a five or six year wait list for these custom instruments. It's, it's nuts. It's amazing. It's, Thanks it's for making the time to come to Ontario. Oh my God, man. It's, it's like, it's job security as self-employed people. How lucky we're incredibly lucky. And then we get to come and play music as well. It's, it's a magical blending of them, but to have to work with these small producers who are producing such beautiful handcrafted things, whether that's a billet of wood that comes out or a set of tuners or whatever it is. And then to be able to put that in our instruments there's so many degrees of love that go into making them and connection with the people who contribute to them it's it's very special for us and it's i guess one of the themes that's coming in our conversation here today is the the connection that the music makes even to introduce the two of you to share that music before before you shared anything else Mm -hmm. and also the connection then that that business makes a making a spider web of a supply musical supply change across north america where do you find your particular musical community now that that you're like you're playing festival stages in multiple time zones on multiple continents i believe mm-hmm. and and it started from a fiddle jam is are are there st- are you still finding fiddle jams all over the place or how has that relationship to a musical community 
evolved for you? I mean, we find our community pretty much wherever, every festival we go. We find people that we are drawn to musically and, and otherwise. Um, and Horsefly, you know, physically there isn't much of, of a musical community for us, but we did just um, import um, a bass player, uh, Max Heinemann, from Lonesome A String Band and Foggy Hogtown Boys, moved to Horsefly. And his wife so is a Toronto export? Yes. And his wife is one of is one of our favorite old time fiddlers. So we have an old time band in Horsefly now. <laughs> um yeah, but but going out to playing all these festivals is where we really get to make these connections with folks that we wouldn't see otherwise because they're busy touring. But uh we're always making new friends.
That was Salt and Powder by Ferris and Jason Romero. You can hear our full conversation later this week as a podcast. Just look up Georgian Bay Roots in iTunes and SoundCloud, or find us at summerfolk.org. While you're there, you can pick up tickets for Summerfolk 45. We've already announced a few artists, including Connie Caldor, Red Fox, and Leela Gilday. It's time for another break for the weather, and then we'll look into contemporary banjo beings. Hi, this is Tana Sliman, and you're listening to Georgian Bay Roots Radio. Welcome back. I'm John Farmer, and you're listening to Georgian Bay Roots. We're celebrating banjos today. Speaking of which, here is Kitchener's Onion Honey with the classic tune, Freight Train. Freight Train, Freight Train. That was Onion Honey. The banjo is a much-loved instrument. It's fun, it sounds great, and it can be found in the hands of every generation of folk performer. Here's Carly Dow showcasing her banjo on the track, Not a Songbird. That's from her first album, Ingrained. Never 
tell you again Winter breath Wine in my cup With my toes in the snow Staring up You left me here Howling at the moon And I'll walk this city Hi, this is Old Man Ludica, and you're listening to Georgian Bay Roots. These early days, well, they don't last. Just like a river, I'll carve my own valley. Just like a mountain, I'll stand all alone. Just like a cloud, I'll uncover a sunset. This world is it. I'll make it my home This world is it I will make it my home Standing by highways I'll thumb my way over Standing by oceans I'll listen to poems Standing in cities I'll sing out the warnings This world is it I'll make it my home This world is it I will make it my home I've been to the bottom of fear and self-loathing And in all of that darkness, love came along Though I still know my way down to that basement Leave it behind when I hear these songs Leave it behind when I hear these songs Against the armies of darkness, I'll ride out to meet them It's the haters and half-baked, I'll win them with song Careerists and power, I'll sweep out the ashes This world is it, I'll make it my home This world is it, I will make it my home Cause I've been to the bottom of fear and 
self-loathing And in all of that darkness Love came along Though I still know my way down To that basement Leave it behind When I hear these songs Leave it behind When I hear these songs And lying with you Love will move from the center Lying like grass, our love will grow long Lying like Whitman, we'll love everybody This world is it, we'll make it our home This world is it, we will make it our home and Fear and doubt are our greatest rivals Action and joy can carry us along Hard work and hope trump hard luck and trouble This world is it We'll make it our home This world is it We will make it our home Cause we've been to the bottom Of fear and self-loathing And in all of that darkness Love came along Though we still know our way down To that basement Leave it behind When we sing these songs Leave it behind When we sing these songs That was Old Man Ludica with one of my all-time favorite songs, Just Like a River. That one strikes me like a hymn, the kind of song to give a person strength. Old Man Ludica has played Summerfolk a few times, always with a five-string banjo in hand. There are smaller versions of the banjo, though, including a four-string tenor banjo that is popular in more Celtic musical traditions. You'll find one of those in the hands of Cody Chason of the East Pointers. They're helping to prove that traditional music is party music.
That was the East Pointers. Banjos are versatile instruments. Stereotypes might place them in the hands of old folks sitting on southern porches, but they can also be the life of a party. Toronto's upbeat bluegrass band Union Duke, who are summer folk veterans many times over, are putting the banjo to good use to that end. Here's proof. This is Knew It All Along. Daylight's on our side Lost and lonely Begging for a ride Now every piece of you Is in my eye You've got a heart That beats like mine When you comfort me Is that who you want to be? just about out of time for Georgian Bay Roots this week. If you want to hear this banjo love letter of an episode one more time, find us as a podcast or follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Special thanks to Tamming Law, theowensoundhub.org, Blues and Roots Radio, and of course, Summerfolk for putting us on the air. We're looking forward to another great year of music in 2020. Thanks for tuning in. 
Dylan and Lauren will be back next week, and I'll join you again one month from now. Until then, I'm John Farmer, and I'll see you folks around. Richard Garvey is going to play us out. Can I rest